Jim Stahl, his professional guide and outfitter, works out of Round Mountain, Nevada. It's kind of centrally located in the state of Nevada. He's only been doing it for 15 years, but he is a true, dedicated, very good lion hunter. That's all he chases, lions, nothing else. He has a lot of dogs, a lot of stock, two four-wheel drive trucks, a couple of stock trailers. I mean, he is serious about it. Uh, Full-time, and he is going to give you a lot of good information. And at the end of the interview, he's going to show you what a true Nevada wild Mustang horse looks like. He has a three-year-old buckskin there, and, and he says he loves riding that horse. So welcome, Jim Stahl, Round Mountain, Nevada. Okay, we're with Jim Stahl, Round Mountain, Nevada. Today's the 20th of July of 2002. And Jim, uh, you're a guide and outfitter here in Nevada and have been so for about 15 years. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you were born and, and how you got into uh, hunting of hounds and that sort of thing? I was born in... Uh Upper Michigan, about 125 miles from the Canadian border, 40 miles west of Marquette. And uh, I was used to hunt beagle hounds up there, so when I came out here and got a chance to meet a guy with lion hounds and get started with that, it was kind of a natural thing to swap over. And it's kind of like rabbit hunting, only these rabbits fight back. <laughs> And then, so how long have you been a guide and outfitter then? Uh, I've had my own business, I guess, around 15 years or so. And that's Mustang Outfitter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, do you run any particular breed of dog or? No, whatever catches lions. Whatever catches I've, lions. I've got uh, some of everything. It's, it's been my experience that, that most of the lion hunters don't run a a registered dog, unless it automatically is registered, but they always wind up breeding best to best. That's correct. And that's, that's basically what you do as well. Yeah, I don't have a paper dog. Not Period, one. no. How many dogs do you have? I think around 20. 20? And how many, you, you hunt the, uh, the Mustangs here in Nevada, and how many of those do you have? I don't hunt Mustangs in Nevada, please. Um, <laughs> I use Mustangs. Yeah. Uh, I've got 31 horses, and I, I think about 27 of them are Mustangs. Yeah. Who inspired you, or who got you started in the hound hunting, or the uh, lion hunting? The guy that got me started was a guy named Bill Wallace. He's from uh, Missouri, but he used to live out here. I used to laugh. He was a younger guy, but everybody called him Old Bill Wallace because I guess if you're in the lion hunting ranks, they consider you old. I don't know if it makes you old before your time or what, but <laughs> they always figure you're an old guy. Uh, do you consider this uh, dry ground hunting or just good mountain hunting for your lions? Oh, out here, up until this this year uh, we didn't have true dry ground hunting because our hunt was always uh, it started uh, I guess it was in October November and then it always ended in April so we always had 
some old remnants of snow and and it wasn't true dry ground mm -hmm. but now this year we actually have some dry ground and it's 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 tough going out here there's a lot of rock and a lot of shale rock and not a lot of soft sand you don't ever hunt your dogs say off the truck strike off the hood or the box uh i have up bear hunting like in washington i've i've gone up there and and I've uh, put my dogs on a box up there, and we've caught a lion up there. That's all my dogs know as lions. But out here, we have so many bobcats. Um, if you put your dogs on a box, they're striking a lot off of bobcats. Uh -huh. And I try and keep them off my bobcats even. I just run strictly lions. Do you consider your dogs as cold-nosed or medium dog, medium-nosed or what? Oh, about half of them are pretty cold-nosed dogs. Um, I've got a couple that are really extremely cold-nosed dogs, and the rest of them are, are good snow dogs. Uh -huh. But uh, I kind of like... <laughs> the, the really cold-nosed dogs make you spend a lot of time in the, in the mountains. Several nights I, a year I spend out there because we're working stuff that maybe they'll never catch it uh -huh. you know it's just too old a track for them to take but they run it and it's i'm hunting all clients and it doesn't do me too much good with the clients um i had had some warmer nose dogs that i used to use and, and i had a lot of short races because if they could take the the lion you know a track it was probably only 12 hours old or something like that and uh, but for me, when I'm hunting by myself, I like the cold nose dogs because I love hearing the dogs yes. work, and it's something you can keep up with. Yeah. Um, usually, if you're striking on a hot track, you only get to hear a few minutes of the race, especially if you're hunting on snow, because the dogs blow out, you know, up in the mountains in about five minutes. So that's about the end of your hearing. How, how old a track do you think your really cold-nosed dogs can, can uh, strike on? Day, two days? Oh, on uh, dirt, I would imagine it, it was two, two days maybe. It just depends on the terrain. Mm -hmm. On snow, it could be as really old, yeah. you know, as much as a week, I think. And, uh, you know... I don't know if they're cheating and using sight or if they're just actually using their nose, but I can see them, you know, stick their nose down in there and, and they'll dig it out and, with their paws and everything else. Or, and uh, they, they try really hard, but it's just slow going where they, they uh, sniff every track and it's, it takes you forever. When I was talking to Cal Allen, the, the, we were talking about the cold-nosed dogs and, uh, and I had mentioned to him that a lot of the coon hunters back east and everything have a hard time believing that that there is such a thing as these cold-nosed dogs because they they've literally bred all of the cold nose out of them because yeah. they run those competition dogs. So that's why I always like to ask about the cold nose to just so people can tell them what it's really like. And yeah, everything. Yeah, it's interesting to watch a really cold-nosed dog oh, work. Yeah. Like, I don't know if. Some of the other guys have told you that, but you can see a dog like it'll lick a rock or something like that, and mm -hmm. it, it helps it, you know, sniff the track. 
and uh, they just do weird stuff and you'll you'll see them dig down like if if you do have snow like a lot of times we're hunting on old crusty snow because you know out here we don't we don't get a lot of snow some years you do some years you don't but what you get is you might get a big storm and then you might go three weeks with nothing but you still got snow on the north sides so you're hunting off the crust and it's just pretty tough hunting and uh, some of this hunting i think is is as hard as dry ground hunting to a lot of other guys at what age do you like to uh, start your young pups uh usually if the dog's pretty athletic i take them out if there's about six or eight months you know i try and run them with my dogs i know a lot of a lot of the other guys they that I've talked to, sometimes they think it's too young that you can get a dog hurt like that. But I've been pretty fortunate. I've had uh, two incidences. One, I lost a, a six-month-old dog. I didn't. It was the first time out with the big dog, and I didn't have a tracking collar on her, and because uh, I didn't think she'd just go the first time out, but she was one of those dogs that did. And I never did find her. She never did come back. I don't know if somebody picked her up or. Or what and then I had the one dog I showed you out there that got hit in the head there yeah. at about 10 months old but it it kind of caved his head in but it's never affected him I mean he's still aggressive on the on the cats and and uh, I don't know kind of made him a better dog actually I think I know that uh, Warner Glenn and, and Cal both talked about that you have to have, you have to have track dogs, strike dogs, locator dogs, tree dogs. So you got to have a kind of combination. Mm -hmm. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, and uh, it's hard to find a dog that'll do everything. Yeah, and uh, that's that's why personally I like to run six dogs. I I like to run nine if if I could on snow. You know, mm -hmm. if I got good condition like on dry ground, I just just run usually three. But, and then I'm half deaf, so I like like to be able to hear the noise. But uh, the purpose of running all those dogs is some of them are going to tree, some are going to, well, they got, I got different types of dogs. Some are track straddlers where they, they smell every track. And I've got some drifters that run with their head up and they just go by scent and they crisscross the track. And sometimes they drift too far off and they make a lose well then the track straddler that's going slower will put them right back on the track and away they go again and it just makes a better race have you found that some of the lines that you've run will will really throw some tricks into the hunt uh, like doubling <laughs> back and that sort of thing yes i have <laughs> <laughs> i've got one up there on on the mountain with my sheep on it you know it's got the desert sheep and i chase them Oh, this year, this last season, and the year before, I trailed him for seven days, and uh, he's used every trick in the book. And uh, this year, he he was uh, doing the backtrack thing. Mm -hmm. But usually, what what the lions try and do, they try and get you in the big rocks and uh, jump jump up on a rock where the dogs can't get up, and then the dogs got to find their way around it and it slows them up, and that's that's how they can stay ahead. The dogs can outrun them if. 
you know, because they, they've got more stamina than a lion. A lion can outrun them for speed, but they can't go the distance. Mm -hmm. So a lion's got to be smarter. And uh, I don't know if it's from people letting them go, like, I don't kill all of mine. I let them go if, if, uh, if I'm not hunting clients. And I don't know if they just get educated or if they're just naturally smart like that, that they can pick it up. But whatever trick they use to get away the first time, they're going to use that one and plus learn one the next time. It just gets harder and harder if you don't catch them and end it. I know that uh, some of the guys have talked about them actually doubling back on that track and then either take a high jump into a tree or a high jump up on a ledge and let those dogs run by. And uh, to me, that's amazing that, that, that they would be smart enough to do that. And they do it. <laughs> yeah. Warner, was, Warner kept saying that, that you have to help those dogs, too. He said, once you get up into the cliffs and the bluffs and everything, and that lion can jump up higher onto those rocks. And he said, you got to be there to help them. Right. If... Uh... Like I said, if they can't find a way around, a lot of times you'll have to lift them up. And uh, for me and a friend of mine, we had to, uh, we, we kind of tethered them up and dropped them down off of, off of stuff. And then we'd have to try and, you know, scale the rocks ourselves to get off them. And I've got a cat over in a place called Point of Rocks. It's nothing but sheer rocks. And that cat, he's... Uh, He's killed a couple dogs, uh, one of mine and uh, one of a friend of mine's, and he's still out there. You know, I, we've had him uh, treat, like one time we had him treat at 2 o'clock in the morning, but I had a client that was, we tried to get it down, you know, get him up there, and we couldn't, and I've got some bad tree climber dogs, and that plot dog buck out there, that one I said is bad tree climber, he got up there and put a bite on that lion's leg and got him out of the tree and uh, we couldn't put him back up that night well then the next day I found his track and he he was still you know dripping some blood and we uh, trailed him across some shale rock up in the mountains and dogs made a lose and, and the dogs made another loop you know trying to pick up that track well they got on a, another lion so that cat got away on us that day, and uh, he's still running loose. There's, I've got about three of them that I want to take out that I've got vendettas against for my own personal reasons. For a for a young man just starting out, say he wants to be a a guide and outfitter for a lion. What advice could you give him? You're gonna find you're not gonna make a lot of money at it. It's gonna be a lot of work. Uh, it's not just guiding. There's a lot of paperwork you have to do, which I went in blind on. I didn't realize all the government stuff you have to do and, and paperwork. And if you get your own business, you gotta, you know, have your own SIIS insurance, and it's, it's real expensive. Uh, if you're gonna lion hunt, you're gonna tear up everything you own. <laughs> and uh, anytime you go out, you know, you could lose your pack of dogs. Uh, it's, it's an expensive sport. I've uh, I've always told a few of them, best thing to do is just go buy a $5 calculator 
and start figuring out uh, how much money it's going to cost you to get started, you know, for a truck and trailer and dogs and horses and tack and everything. And I, and I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be very, very expensive. And they also got to realize they're going to deal with the public. You can't please everybody. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a tough thing to get started in. And it seems like you're always investing in your business if you're going to make it better. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first started out, I worked at the gold mine full time, but I, we were on a 12-hour schedule where we uh, only worked 14 days out of 28. And my wife still works there. We both work there. And we sunk all our money in the business, and you just keep buying more stuff, more stuff. And so now we're up to 31 horses, 20 dogs, and I don't know, three, four pickups, and horse trailers. And it's an expensive <coughs> deal feeding them horses. About six, seven thousand a year just for horses, and three thousand for dog food a year. Not to mention vet bills. Yeah, you also have to take very good care of your stock. That's your, right. Yeah, your horses uh, got to be fed and fed and grained, and your dogs have got to be in good shape. And, and uh, that that that's part of it. I, I think I think beyond anything, if a guy's going to be successful at it, the first thing he's got to learn to do is take care of that stock and, and, and those dogs. That's right. Uh, if, if your horses and stock are in poor shape, oh, forget it. That's not going to work. you got to take care of them. Uh, my wife is uh, the vet master. She, <laughs> she reads all the vet books and uh, gives all the shots. She, uh -huh. she puts them on the diets and uh, I try and keep to their diets for her. Yeah. But uh, I've got some fat dogs right now because I haven't been running them every day. They they should be out, you know, two, three times a week at least. And uh, we've had a lot of other stuff going on right now. So. Do you use a, a commercial feed for your dog? Yeah, we've been buying old Roy from Walmart, actually. And... Uh, in the wintertime when we're running the dogs real hard, we'll go 50-50, high pro and, and, you know, the red bag stuff. And uh, summertime now, we're just running strictly the other stuff just to keep them in shape. I got some of my dogs that are real easy keepers, and, and some of those you only use about this much in a two-pound coffee can. Yeah. Now, some of them are hard keepers, and I go like a can and a half, you know, so like three pounds of food a day. Cal Allen said the same thing mm -hmm. on his dogs. He said, you, you, you can feed just a half a cup to this one and you got to feed a half a gallon to this one. See, that's see that's what happens too. Like my dogs, if we're gone away, then I got to have somebody feed. And, you know, they don't know the dogs. I've got a list, you know, made up a paper for them. But a lot of times it's just uh, <laughs> they, they feed them too much to get the dogs mixed up and stuff. And I come home and they're put on everything I had taken off them. <laughs> Have you ever been hurt out chasing hounds in those mountains? No, I've been pretty fortunate. I had the closest I could come was uh, last year actually. I was up in some big rocks with some a cat at night and uh, he took me in some awful rough country and it was in the winter time where we had some snow up in there and I actually sunk into a couple of crevices during the night, you know, and I wound up 
after I, I slipped in the other one and I got hung up in up to my waist in a rock pile, I decided I'm going to spend the night and wait for daylight. And But that was the closest I've been. I've been pretty fortunate. Never had a horse roll on you or get bucked off or anything? <laughs> bucked off, yeah. Come off horse or two, but I've been pretty fortunate and never got hurt. <laughs> Have you ever been scared out in the hills? No, not actually scared. Um, I've, I spend a lot of time out there chasing lions at night because in this state we can hunt at night and I'll turn out anytime I find a track day or night as long as the client with me wants to. But there's been a time or two where I've walked through the country where your hair stands up on the back of your neck where you know the cat's there. And uh, But other than that, I haven't been scared, no. I'm pretty much used to it. Without, without the aid of the hounds, just just being out, uh, how many times have you seen a lion in your life? Including highway driving out here, and that's when we used to travel back and forth to work, four o'clock in the morning or here in the evening. I've seen three lions, I think. That's it. And, uh, you know, that's population is pretty good out here, and that's... I've been out here since 1981, so that's not many. Yeah. I think it was uh, Ben Lilly in his book, he, he stated that lions are sometimes uncommonly cautious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not seen. <laughs> no. And usually if you see one, it's just a glimpse they're running across the road. Or... It's another thing you learn about lion hunting. They don't have to cross roads. Yeah. The old days, you used to just be riding down roads looking for tracks. And lions, a lot of times, they'll just be walking alongside the road. They don't have to cross these roads. Yeah. Make it convenient for us. Are there a lot of other lion hunters out in this country? Uh, there's, there's a lot of the weekend hunters, I call them. But it's not that many. There's there's some of the good lion hunters, though, that, that come up here. There's. Uh, Van Hale out of Arizona, and uh, he hunts this area, and now a Charlie Leader, he hunts the south part of our state, out of Utah, and uh, the other ones are usually the, your government hunters, like, like Daryl Fry and uh, Bueller, and a few of these guys, um, and there's, uh, I'd say, around this area, there's probably maybe eight or ten lion hunters that are running around. Charlie Leader is, is uh, I hope to interview him on Monday. Uh-huh. Let's see, Monday morning. He's another one. So Charlie and Chad? Yeah, so we'll see. Looking back, would you have changed anything? I don't think so. <laughs> it was kind of a nice learning process. I don't know about the guiding part. I might have just stuck to grabbing a few hounds and and staying into that part of it. Yeah, you get to a point where you spend so much money, you know, you got to do it. I mean, the guiding part. But I don't know. It was easier just working at the mine, I think. <laughs> Getting that steady paycheck and just fun hunting. When you, when you started on your own, do you remember how long it took to catch your first one? I was really fortunate. The first time I went out, uh, 
by myself with just my own dogs. I uh, ran one of my favorite canyons up here and I, I found a track and it was snowed in but I had that warm-nosed dog that I told you I had and uh, I turned her out and I was back home by about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. My wife, I wanted her to come but she was sick that day and, and I come home and I had had my first tongue. Nothing to it, right? Yeah. That's just like in the books. How about the second one then? <laughs> the second one took a while. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's what gets me is uh, these guys that write the articles, you know, about these, no sport to it, uh, you just walk up to the tree. I'll tell you what, I haven't been out here. Yeah. I'd like to have a few of those guys on the hunt with me. I'm sure the rest of the lion hunters could tell you the same thing. That it's, there's a lot more to it. I mean, some... Sometimes you never get them in a tree. You know, you might have them on the ground. You might have them in a cave. You might have them on a rock. That's why I like lion hunting. Every hunt's different. Every cat's different. And it's, it gets to be a point here. Uh, <laughs> I get frustrated. You know, you get these guys say, oh, there's no sport to it. Well, okay. <laughs> if you, I'm just going to use the number of 50 dogs. Out of 50 dogs, how many do you think that make good lion dogs? Or is there any way you can determine that? No, because you can even, you can breed your two best dogs, have a litter, and, and uh, they aren't all going to make dogs. I don't know what it is, why it is. Uh, I've been fortunate to have some good, good pups out of mine, you know, but uh, that that's the reason why I, won't sell a dog yeah. you know I'd give them away you know I'll give a give a pup but I won't I won't sell one just because I can't guarantee that that pup's gonna make it he should make it I mean, I mean anytime you breed two of your best dogs they should make a hound but it doesn't happen that way I mean, I, I would say out of if you had 50 dogs I bet you You'd be lucky to have half of them make really good dogs. I don't even know if you'd even have half that would make outstanding dogs. I've never asked anybody else that question, but I was just, I, I, I agree with you. I, no. I know that you just can't get a hound and say he's going to make a lion yeah. dog or a bear dog because yeah. that just doesn't work. Mm -mm. They're like they're like people, you know, they got different personalities. And uh, can't. Can't guarantee every guy is going to make a hunter either. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Is there anything you want to talk about or no, go over anything? Or? I'm kind of that silent type guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, on the, those dog part, you know, you can have a half, halfway decent dog, but I'm, I was talking about having a good dog out of them. Yeah. You know, one that you'd be proud to own. What, what is your hunting method? Do you, do you turn all, uh, I know you like to take six dogs generally at a time. Do you turn all six loose at the same time or do you hold some of them back? Okay, if I'm hunting on, uh, on snow and I find a track, I'll just end gate the dog box and let them take off on their own. They'll just take care of it. If I'm hunting dry ground, I'll just, what I'm usually doing, I'll I don't look for the track myself. I'll just go in areas where I know that I've seen a lot of lions and I know where there's crossings and we'll just 
either walk the dogs in, you know, I'll have them on the ground. I'm not going to have them chained up. I'll just, just um, walk them in or be horseback riding and just ride along until they strike their own. Just go from there. Jim Stahl, Round Mountain, Nevada, Mustang Outfit.